Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Coming at you live from 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane. You might be listening to us on 102.1 FM on Zed Digital or around the country on the community radio network. This is Zed Games. My name's Jack, and I'm in the studio with Ray and Adrian. How you going? Hey. Hi. I'm back. You are back. Back from Japan. Yeah. We both are. We both went to Japan. Wow. Back. Back and at it again on Zed Games. Back in black. Uh... Pretty close. Back in charcoal in and denim. I'm back in blue. Charcoal for, and for those oh, yeah. listening oh, at home who can't see us. <laughs> Beautiful. We've got um, a pretty packed show coming up. We have a review of Two Point Radio. Uh, Two Point Radio. That's exactly what we've got. Two Point yeah. Hospital. Uh-huh. You're playing a lot of weird simulation games, Ray. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like it was Game Dev Sim, uh-huh. and now it's this. I love to get into the technical stuff. Didn't the last one get you really depressed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until the show okay, right? later on to see if this one also gets him depressed. We've also yeah. got a chat uh, with Luke Lancaster of Read Pop Australia. Uh, he's nice. the content manager for PAX Australia and Oz Comic Con. We're going to be talking to him about PAX Australia in Melbourne later this month. Holy. And the, all the seats are breaking in for Ray's, the studio. Ray's chair just spontaneously lowered. Uh, yeah. Are you okay, Ray? Yeah, we're Look, good. I'm here for it. It's fine. Uh, before we get to all of that, and hopefully any of the other furniture breaking in the studio... Adrian, what are the gaming news headlines of the week? Blizzard Entertainment has seen a change of leadership this week as longtime studio president and company co-founder Mike Morheim has stepped down to make room for J. Allen Brack, formerly the executive producer of World of Warcraft. He co-founded Blizzard in 1991 and produced many of the early successes, including StarCraft, the first two Diablo games, and World of Warcraft. In 1998, he was inducted into the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame. Morheim will remain on payroll at the company as a strategic advisor. That's a good place to be in payroll, baby. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not much work. Well, I mean, I, I, I imagine it's like a lot of wisdom, but also yeah. not a lot of like hard break your back work. Morheim, yeah. more money. It's like on it. This guy's obviously uh, a high functioning game developer. Uh, <laughs> well, he, yeah. he, yes. you know, he, yeah. he was in charge I mean of Blizzard it in every every single every single way, non ironic way. Uh, and ironic yeah yeah uh but you know for him to just disappear into the ether and and probably buy a tropical island and then vanish with you know obviously all that all blizzard his, money his his beautiful partners that he's obviously accumulated partners. over the years and, you know, yeah. <laughs> looted, and all of his money and all of his stuff um it would be great just for blizzard to be able to go yo what do you think about this idea and to have that official so i think that's why he's, he's on board a strategic advisor just to keep him in the fold even though that that job sounds like a really cruisy, awesome job that yeah, it's basically like answering three phone calls a week and would, getting paid for it. I would take that job, man. Yeah. Th- only three phone calls? Oh, God. That's a guesstimate. You That's... Know, the reality is probably... You know, I'm just spitballing from the other side of the world Dude, and I know I could, nothing. If I could take three phone calls a day, that'd be <laughs> The reality probably is that he's on that island playing a bunch of World of Warcraft and just kicking back. Yeah. You know, having a good time. He's like, finally, I can be... I can dedicate my life to World of Warcraft. This is what I've always wanted. World of Morheimcraft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On your Mike Morheim. Blizzard's a great company. Good stuff. Got him. But not that great. I'm going to be seen as impartial for journalistic ethics. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're great, but not that great. Yeah. Just but I also have out. jumped into Overwatch again lately. I love Overwatch, man. I love uh, me some WoW. Temple of Overwatch, let me worship you. <laughs> What's the next story? <laughs> what was that about being impartial? <laughs> Please move on. <laughs> Sony has confirmed that it is currently working on a successor to the PlayStation 4. Sony Worldwide Chief... 
Kenichiro Yoshida remained tight-lipped during his interview with the Financial Times, but admitted that the company was working on next-generation hardware. This follows a statement from Microsoft at E3 earlier this year, saying that work had begun on the next generation of Xbox consoles. Top story. Big global companies want money. This shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. ready for the next cycle. It's been a while. I didn't realise it's been a hot minute. Xbox One X launched last year. Oh, upgraded of the same generation, though. You know, it's an upgraded device. But, like, say Mm. that to the people who spent 700 bucks and, like... Uh, buying a new console in a year. Well, that was the thing, right? You know, this generation and I guess even the last generation, they were touted as, you know, when the PS3 came out, it was like the the 10 year life cycle console and Mm -hmm. it it did hit that mark, right? And then some, you know, I think, yeah, you're right, Jack. Like, there is an increased amount of of lifespan in the consoles now. So that's kind of, I think, why I haven't been. It doesn't feel like it's been as long as it has in previous generations. It doesn't feel like we're ready for the next cycle because of consoles like the Xbox One X and yeah. the PlayStation 4 Pro. So, it is interesting. Also, yeah. it doesn't really feel like, um, at this point, that we're, like, missing out on stuff with, like, next-gen hardware. Like, GTX 20 series was announced recently. They were like, here's ray tracing. And it's like, what next-gen graphical... Like, what, what do games look like in the next-gen of, like, 2020? It's like that that different to to what we're playing now and even mm. then how does that affect gameplay like we've, we've seen a lot of gameplay tropes established over the last 15 years and we've seen a lot of games make in, incremental increases or, or incremental changes to that but not massive changes and so like yeah it, it kind of feels like gaming has kind of matured and that means that these consoles have a little bit more time to mature yeah it's true i mean we're seeing diminishing returns not just in the technical capabilities that's a far more concise way of, of the diminishing devices returns, yeah. but in all also uh in the gameplay because yeah. you know game we've got like the biggest companies in the world working on games all the time there's hundreds being published every month Week. uh you know like it's it's hard to 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 crank any more innovation out mm. of out of this this game you know i think what it is it's 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 going to be about the experience and, and the world building that will benefit from increased te- technological, I guess, capability. Like Elder Scrolls Six, I'm sure that you know they've yeah. already they're already at a point with those games where you've got full view distance on console. But mm-hmm. hey, maybe it'll run better, faster frame rate. You'll be able to fit more into the world. There'll be more of a you know cache size for stuff that you drop on the ground, and you can then come back fifty hours later and see that same thing on the ground that you dropped. You know, <laughs> this is what we're paying seven hundred bucks yeah. for. <laughs> What's the next story? That's it. <laughs> Overwatch fans who have become consumed by the game will soon be able to reverse their predicament, as it was revealed that Kellogg's will launch a breakfast cereal <laughs> themed around the popular online shooter. <laughs> a junk food enthusiast website called the Junk Food Isle spotted the listing in a product guide for retailers. The cereal will be called Lucio's, a real-life version of the fictional cereal that appears as advertising within the game. The cereal itself bears a similarity to Freen and Gold... Green and gold? Green and gold. Fruit typo. Loops. Thanks for the typo. Also, there, you right? found my website, the junk food aisle. <laughs> Why is that real? I'm sorry. I had to try so hard to not crack up during yeah. that story. Lucio's. It's actually Lucio O's. Lu- Lucio O's. Uh, it should, you know, here's my editorial. It should be Lucio's because it flows off the tongue better. But yeah. in the game, it's Lucio O's. Is it SNES or Super? No, wait, we did that. We, we did, did We did that we, earlier. Yeah, it's not. SNES. <laughs> so we can put that one to bed. But Lu- Lucio's. Okay, Lucio's. Will you eat them, Jack? <laughs> Are they getting released in Australia? Do we we get, don't know. We it don't sounds know like it'd be an American only yeah, thing. Uh, yeah, but the, the that's the not the question. The question is, will you eat them? No. The Fruit Loops, they're green and gold. No. Do you want to amp it up, Jack? Oh, if it's green and gold, that's like Aussie. Yeah, I feel like that could probably make the jump. Don't you want to? Don't you want to amp it up? Hang on, just I've like got, Lucio. I've, now I've got the can. Lucio program idea here. We'll play that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, look, that's yeah. exciting. It is. 
It's you know. cereal. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a shameless cash grab. Exciting in quotation yeah. marks. Yeah, it's not exciting. Oh, in other news, Skybound Games, the company founded by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman, has announced a deal that will allow the Walking Dead adventure game to continue. The Walking Dead, the final season, had released two of four planned episodes when Telltale Games laid off 90% of its workforce and cancelled all projects. A statement from Skybound said it had taken ownership of Telltale's The Walking Dead, the final season, and will finish the season. Skybound will work with members of the original Telltale team to finish the story in a way the fans deserve. Mm. This is good news. It is good news for for fans of the game. I'm bittersweet. I'm one of them, yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't seem to... It's more bitter than sweet. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's this is uh, a lot less sweet than the previous story. Yeah, not as yeah. sweet as Lucy. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Not as sweet as Lucy, uh, uh, but all all jokes aside, I mean, we're talking about two hundred and ninety jobs uh, lost, lost, and there were no severance deals, and apparently those people were massively overworked. And Telltale Games was revealed to be somewhat of an evil entity that was exploiting <sighs> and using and his employees and churning out okay, content. If, if evil's the word we're going with. Uh, it's more evil than, than good, let's put it that okay, way. Okay, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to say evil, but... <laughs> I, okay, I just said it. <laughs> they even made a Batman game. Yeah. So it doesn't Where's reverse gone? their fortunes. However, I am also incredibly invested in the story that those... You've already played episode one? Yeah, yeah. I've played, I played all the games up until oh, the like, series of, so you of haven't, the Walking Dead games. You haven't played Final... The final season, episode one, yet? No, but you no. will be. There's a, there's I, I a lot hope of, so. Yeah, there's a lot of emotional heft in those games. You would want to follow it through to the conclusion because the way, yeah, yeah the way it's set up, it's, I mean, it's tear-inducing. Yes, it's an emotional series. How, how far did you get in with the Walking Dead games? I have you? only finished the first two seasons, mm-hmm. so need to get back in and play season three. But uh, I was a little bit dismayed when I found out that they might not be finishing the fourth season. So yeah, yeah, me absolutely, me too. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is good news, and like. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we announced this on the show, you guys weren't in, but I... Sorry, uh, Japan. I kind of naively, at the time, prayed and hoped that an angel company would swoop in and... That doesn't surprise me. And, and you know, take care of this project and see the, the thing to the end, not just for the people that um, have purchased the game already that might not see the end of it, but mm. also because of it's just such a great uh, story that's been told so far. Um and I think like Lee and some of the other people that are in the studio kind of like wrote off my wishes, but it seems like that oh. is exactly what's happened. And Robert Kirkman, I guess, just put his mouth through his money, isn't he? He's the guy who created the comic back in the day, mm. and he's uber rich now because he of licensing deals with TV shows and games and so forth. But it makes sense it. that he's the one to come in and yes. and carry this to the finish line because you know this is probably my absolute favorite uh, Walking Dead related item story and that includes like all the games in in the tv show and the comics i think that the stories that's been told in this is is the strongest of them all so i i'm really happy that they're finishing it yeah you could say that the walking dead zombie has risen again yeah cool great we did it nintendo has patented a design for a smartphone case that transforms it into a first generation game boy a transparent window and physical buttons that interact with the phone's touchscreen cleverly work to replicate the classic handheld device the case is yet to be officially acknowledged or announced by Nintendo themselves. Uh, just to, okay, so to clarify, um, Nintendo patents a lot of designs. They do. Uh, they don't necessarily make products out of these. Correct. So it is pure speculation that this could exist in a, in a physical product that you can buy, but it also has something of a precedent in mini NES, mini SNES. Um, obviously, just like milk and that. That uh, what's the th- reason you play those? 
Nostalgia. Nostalgia engine. Mm-hmm. I mean, an engine. That's what they yes, are. The nostalgia engine. Nostalgia engine. Yeah, like Nintendo's, Nintendo will quite commonly uh, even, you know, preempt other companies from making devices like this. Um, and, you know, it, it's a pretty obvious thing to do, especially for people who do want to milk that nostalgia. So I don't blame Nintendo for hopping on and patent- patenting it, and even if it doesn't become a thing, you know? The interesting thing is, I believe that... Um, so it's not a, it's not a one to one patent, but I believe a product does already exist on the market designed mostly for Samsung phones, um, where you have a well, you have physical buttons and a D pad, so it doesn't interface with the touch screen. It just has like physical controls there, um, and yeah, you can actually insert your old Game Boy carts Man. into this thing. That's all, that's all, I believe wow. that's already a product of some sort. For some devices out there, um, I'm not sure if it's compatible with iPhone stuff. Probably, it wouldn't surprise me if it's not. And most likely not at all endorsed by Nintendo. Oh, would not surprise again at all. That is the week in gaming news headlines. Thank you so much, Adrian. Yes, that's right. You are listening to Zed Games. My name's Cringy. I'm in studio with Ray and Adrian. And one of the biggest events in the gaming calendar, I feel like it's hard to argue, is PAX Australia. Oh, yeah. It is a three-day nerd extravaganza at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. And, hey, whether you're in Brisbane, whether you're anywhere across the country, I mean, people all across the country fly in to PAX Australia. They flock to PAX. Yeah. How many years has PAX been going? uh, 2013, I think it started. Um, And it's just been getting bigger every single year. And we actually have the content manager of uh, PAX Australia and Oz Comic Con on the line, Luke Lancaster. Um, I guess for, for people who are uninitiated, Luke, uh, would you mind speaking a little bit to what PAX is and, and what people might want to, or, or, or why people would go to PAX Australia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first up, thanks for having me on, guys. Really, really happy to be on the show and talk about PAX. Um, so, as you said, for the uninitiated, PAX is a three-day event where we try to cater to every kind of gamer who loves any kind of game. And that's video games, that's the new stuff from AAA publishers, it's hidden indie gems, it's classic stuff on PC, it's board games, it's role-playing games, it's card games, it's nerdy bands. Like, we we kind of have a no-holds-barred approach. If you love games, PAX is the place for you. Awesome. Um so I guess PAX has been going for a while now, um, and, and Luke, you've been um, sort of involved with PAX for at least the last year or two. Um, what, what was kind of the, some of the things that um, took you by surprise or, or some of the things that uh, you've enjoyed so far in your role in, in managing the content around PAX Oz? Yeah, um, as you said, um, we're coming up on year six now, which is a bit crazy to think. Uh, and last year was the first one where I was part of the Readbop team. Um, like before that, I was, I was gaming press. So I was with the media and I was at PAX every year. Uh, I think making the jump to this side of it, you really get an appreciation for the scale of the event. Um, cause there's three days worth of programming and stuff to do, obviously, but you got to think not every person who's at PAX and there's tens of thousands of people, not everyone does the same thing for those three days. So there is way more than any one person could do for that long weekend, essentially. And hitting moats for people who love things about games that don't either personally appeal or something I've never really thought about or it's a different kind of community or that kind of stuff. There's just a breadth to something I thought I knew quite well that was a really steep learning curve when I came on last year. Um, And we're talking about serious games, about um, catering to a really diverse game community, stuff that indies want when they're representing games. 
Um, there's a really strong kind of retro contingent, like kind of classic games and arcade games that I wasn't versed in when I first came on. But you need to really flesh out and round out your knowledge because you are catering to such a diverse and broad community. Awesome. Hey, Luke, it's Adrian here. Um, now, one of the things you mentioned is the breadth of content that PAX can provide, and especially the indie treasures, uh, the indie treasure trove that the PAX has to uncover each year. How have you found it sort of um, balancing the, I guess, the indie side of things, which I think PAX was very strong with out of the gate, um, and then the more sort of AAA side of things, the, the big industry games like, uh, you know, Call of Duty and, and Smash Bros and the like? You know, has PAX kind of found like a happy medium between the two interests? Oh, look, thankfully, we've got a pretty big building to put it all inside. Um, uh, as, as you say, like, we've always really strongly backed um, in the content at the show, and I think that's just a reflection of the Australian gaming landscape more than anything else. Like, we've got a really, really strong indie development community. Um, so it was kind of unquestioned that we'd support those going into this show. Mm. Uh, obviously, we're going to have our big AAA stuff, but... The thing about PAX is it's not an E3, it's not a Gamescom, it's not a trade show. So it's not just built on that AAA contingent. So it was kind of designed ground up with that grassroots, independent, smaller scale tier to it. Mm. Um, So in terms of finding that balance, it's it's a bit of a struggle every year because obviously people... And so by people, I mean people coming to the show really want to see new stuff coming from those huge publishers from first party, you know, Microsoft, Nintendo, Ubisoft, whoever it is. Um, they want to see games from those companies and they want to play stuff that's not out yet. The typical kind of stuff that you do at a show. Hmm. Um, so that's always going to be a part of the show. But um, I think given the fact we have a critical mass of people means we have both the space and the responsibility to support that indie indie community. Um, And that's something we're never going to go back on. Um, It's something we try to grow year on year. Uh, And I think we find we've hit a pretty good balance with it in terms of the amount of coverage, the amount of promotion, and the amount of physical space at the show we give to that. Yeah, so I mean, as far as the indie stuff, that, like Adrian and, and you were saying as well, there's a big focus on both the AAA stuff and the indie stuff, but for people who might not have actually been to a PAX physically, I feel like a pretty massive portion of the exhibition hall, um, well, I mean, a, an exhibition hall by itself, is, is dedicated to, I guess, the more community-focused stuff like tabletop games, um, like the uh, sort of free-play console games and um, PC games area. I guess, what are some of the challenges in trying to make sure that that all um, doesn't fall apart? Because I've, I've been to my fair share of community events, and um, it can be quite a challenge to make sure that everything's working, everything's operating. I mean, geez, some of the Couch Warriors stuff can be um, pretty hectic behind the scenes. How how is that from the content perspective as well? Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, we've got the full convention hall and it's almost split down the middle. Mm. um, And the second half is community free play and tournament space. So that's very little publisher involvement or if they're involved, it's not really in an exhibitor kind of way. It's a, you know, come play these games that have been out or like prize giveaway kind of stuff. So it's, really authentic direct community engagement kind of stuff that we push there. Um, and that's, look, it, it's an, it's a logistical challenge, I think <laughs> is a political way of saying that. Um, but thankfully we've got some amazing community groups down in that area. Um, I, I really don't want to forget anyone here, but I'm probably going to. Like we work with the Couch Warriors who you just mentioned, who are one of the best fighting game communities anywhere in the world. Uh, we've got a slew of guys in our classic arcade where we do like classic consoles, arcade machines, pinball, um, Bartronica, Weird and Retro, um, Pinmem, like 
I've definitely forgotten some of them. Uh, PC guys, uh, like a community group um, who runs our PC area. So we work with groups already in the community doing that. Um, and where we come in is we have the scale and the resources to, you know, put 100 PCs down, put, you know, 50 consoles out and run those tournaments. Uh, we try to just keep the wheels on and hope that... Just hope pray that, to God um, that it all works. Yeah. That our organisers there are making it all go. And obviously we've got um, our enforcers, which are our volunteer group who are beyond compare. They are the best volunteer group in the world. Um, and I can say that because I've been to US shows and it's the same over there. Pact would not run without them. Speaking of uh, community stuff, one of my favourite parts of the show are the, the panels. And I just love how the panels are community-driven and focused. It's not just a whole bunch of uh, big-wig executives sort of selling and shouting stuff at you. It's <laughs> it's all people within the industry are talking about things and topics that they've chosen themselves. Uh, can you tell me about some of the ones that you might be excited about for this upcoming PAX? Uh, yeah, absolutely, because there are some doozies, and I am playing favourites a bit here, but I guess I'm allowed to do that. Go for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like as you said, like most of what we do in our theatres is community driven, and I think that's really good in terms of a finger on the pulse kind of thing. Um, so we've got something returning for the third year now, and I absolutely love it. It is just a live play of some just amazing women in, in gaming who play the worst dating sims they can find on stage. <laughs> um, and it's it's late night. It's a bit blue. It's it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I catch like 10 minutes of it every year and wish I could see more. <laughs> um, we have a panel uh, in the GameSpot Theatre, which is actually a bunch of old colleagues and a few people who I'm sure if you follow game writing in Australia, you know, um, you'll know the names, uh, reviewing all of the fake games that appeared in The Simpsons. Oh, uh, amazing. Oh, my God. Like Bonestorm. What a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, and that golf like, one? Panels. <laughs> Lee Carvello's <Yeah>. Fighting Challenge? <laughs> uh, it is actually called Lee Carvello's Simpsons Game Reviewing Challenge. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, we're seeing way more kind of live D&D stuff, which I'm a massive fan of. So we've got Dragon Friends back. We've got Dungeon Crawl. Um, we've got the C-Team coming down for the first time. Um, we're doing a movie night for the first time this year, which I'm super excited about because video game movies are irredeemably awful mm. and I get to make people watch those. <laughs> Is there going to be some live action Super Mario? Oh. oh <laughs> well, there, there's actually, um, actually, I will do a shameless plug here. Uh, Outside Xbox are our hosts for that this year and they have just put up um, two polls on Twitter so you can vote. If you want Super Mario to be one of those movies, you should vote for it. Oh, no. It depends how much you hate the audience. <laughs> yeah. Not a great film. Very, very dangerous. <laughs> Before we move on from um, panels, Luke, I just want to um, double check. Is Paxomania returning this year? Sadly, it is not back no! this year. Um, we are always going to try to get that back because it was... <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was shambolic in the best possible way. What was Paxomania um, all about, It is... Still up on Twitch and YouTube for some reason, so definitely watch last year's. Yeah, it, hasn't been uh, it will down come back somehow. at some point, well, I, I but guess, it's not back for this year. Very quickly, Luke, how would you describe Paxomania? It's, it's, I guess, blending the love for gaming and love for wrestling is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and there's like such an overlap between people who love gaming and yeah, people who love yeah, wrestling. Yeah, you? yeah. But think um, about the insurance. So, <laughs> oh, um, oh, that was not a problem last uh, year. League of no, look, we, the less we say about what happened last year, the better, <laughs> um, especially if we want to do it again. Um, 
So Paxomania League of Heels is the name of the group. It is a mainstay at all of the North American shows. We had it for the first time at Pax Oz last year. So it's essentially like gaming journalists, streamers, people in the industry who adopt pro wrestling personas and then play wrestling video games. Yeah. And there's a whole pro wrestling soap opera storyline connecting it all. It's bizarre and ridiculous, and I don't think it could exist at a show that wasn't packed. It, it was an absolute fever dream. And I am not a big wrestling fan, but somehow Luke Mitchell and Justine uh, managed to drag me on. And holy crap, what a ride. Um, I, th- I think one of the last things that I want to check in with regarding PAX is that it's been heralded as, as a, a really powerful and, and really engaging community event for a really long time. And I imagine a lot of that goes to um, some of the measures that PAX, or, or, or some of the efforts that, that PAX um, puts resources towards in stuff like um, the uh, AFK room, in uh, sort of highlighting mm-hmm. different communities in the diversity land. Would you mind speaking a little bit to, um, if people are maybe a little bit hesitant about going to something as, um, I mean, at this point, PAX is the biggest gaming event in the country. Um, I, I guess some of that diversity stuff might put some people... Some, some people's minds at, at ease. Would you mind speaking a bit to that diversity? Uh, absolutely. First, I'll start with the AFK room, which you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a um, something that we run alongside uh, an American organization called Take This and Checkpoint, the uh, local mental health and gaming charity. Uh, so we will have professionals on site for anyone feeling anxious, overwhelmed, who need a bit of a respite from what is frankly a fairly crazy show uh it's entirely a safe space you'll have doctors there who will talk to you who will be able to advise you know any kind of assistance you might need in future just chill out very kind of relaxing environment uh the other thing that you mentioned is the diversity lounge which is something we've had every year of the show and it is curated by um allison karma clark who are absolutely amazing human beings uh, and that is a very overt space that is to celebrate LGBTQI plus people uh, in games and who love games. Uh, so there is a lot of education stuff there. There's a lot of exhibitors there who are within the community, but it's also a place to just, you know, hang out and play board games or, you know, play some magic. They do a lot of magic lot and of magic. stuff yeah, in there. Yeah. Conventions are tiring. Like, it's good to just chill out sometimes on a beanbag, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but, like, hitting the community stuff on top of that, like, that's something that we're really building up. So last year... Uh, we had like a small community space. We've actually doubled that this year. So we've got two community rooms. Uh, we have Generosity, who are probably one of the biggest charity streams in Australia, live on site at PAX for the three days this year. Um, we have another one that I can't talk about yet, but it's also pretty <laughs> cool. Um, we've got a bunch of like showcases for students. We've got the next exhibit, which has been curated by Ali McLean. Sorry, I'm, I'm rattling now, but <laughs> we've just got some like amazing stuff really trying to do what we can to support and promote that community. Um, And that's from both a game development side and from an attendee side. So if you are worried that PAX isn't for you, like when you first walk in the doors, we have a, can I swear? Uh, Yeah, you can swear because now I'm going to say language warning. Please swear. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We have a fuck off huge banner that says welcome home. And like (laughs) everything we do tries to drive that message to everyone who walks through those doors. Like, this is a place for you. You will find people around who love the things you love. 
Awesome. Amazing. That's, I think that's <laughs> the best way to put PAX Australia. I'm looking forward to it. I imagine a lot of people in Brisbane and around the country and, and truthfully, not too far, um, I mean, all across the world, I imagine, with there, there are international three-day passes that sell out every single year as well. I'm hype as hell for it. Thank you so much for your time, Luke. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, guys. See you later. See you soon. Ray, you've been playing Two Point Hospital. Yes, yes. Why? Why? <laughs> Why do we play video games? That, Shall we do a segment a, on that? Deep, what does it mean? It's a deep and loaded question. <laughs> Why do we do anything? Uh, well, first of all, why is it called Two Point Hospital? <laughs> okay. It's a business simulation game. So you're the director of a hospital or several hospitals because you keep working your way through the chain and I buying more. I love House MD. Is this like the TV show House MD? Uh, wow. uh, no. <laughs> Shit. Where's you, okay. Laurie? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it's kind of the spiritual successor to a game from the 90s called Theme Hospital, mm. which itself is a kind of spin off of Theme Park, which uh, is a, a game by Bullfrog. It's a spin-off of an expansion of a spiritual successor. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Basically. So it's Bullfrog (laughs) Games, who's the the amazing company behind uh, uh, Black and White, and Mm. Populous, uh, Peter Molyneux, who has recently uh, suffered a lot of media scrutiny due to his outlandish claims that are often unsubstantiated Mm. in the final product. But anyway... There's a whole there's a whole bunch of people that worked on the original theme hospital that uh, were floating around and apparently come together to work on Two Point Hospital, making it a legitimate spiritual successor to the original game. So in Two Point Hospital, you start with an empty building and uh, your job basically is to transform it into a fully functioning hospital from the reception to... I have no concerns that this could go wrong whatsoever. Yeah. Does it all go wrong? Uh, there's a lot that can go wrong. Yeah, because it's business management. It's business management, but by God, people's lives are at stake here. Oh, God. Uh, because, you know, if you have a guy who's got a terminal illness waiting around for too long, you know what happens? They die. They die. Oh, yeah. wow. So the stakes are real here. Oh, no. As real as they can get in a video game simulation. <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, though, the, the serious nature of the gameplay is sort of counterweighted with uh, the... Uh, the light-hearted humor th- uh, present throughout. So there as, is light-hearted humor. Yeah, as Good. well as the fact that all of the diseases are fictional and uh, and humorous as well. For example, bogwarts. Oh, nice. Uh, there's lightheadedness. There's crossbones. There's uh, like uh, motor mouth or something like that. Like oh, I love verbal diarrhea and stuff. <laughs> And people who are clowns that don't want to be clowns and, and things like that. So it's not oh, like so it's the game equivalent of Patch Adams. Uh, it's not House MD, it's Patch Adams. <laughs> Maybe. Just I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and as well as that, uh, there's like voices over the PA that are making uh, very dry uh, commentaries on, on things that are happening and, and telling you to water the plants and things like that. And there's also a, a hospital radio station that is uh, emceed or, or DJed, I suppose, by the by a sound alike of... If you've ever seen uh, the Tarantino film Reservoir Dogs, there's a radio uh, segment called Sounds of the 70s mm. with a guy who's got a real deadpan, monotone, kind of really bored sounding voice. And I, I don't know if it's him, but he, he does a really good job at I sounding like I think him. There's a radio and station that's not Z Games in a game. How yeah. Z Games yeah. is in a radio. Uh, and it, that's, that's really <laughs> funny. Show. 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 Radio show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
you're doing a lot, Ray. There's a lot going on. And there and is. Just yeah. looking at, at pictures on the product listing mm-hmm. on Steam, it seems like there is a lot of micromanaging. Is it overwhelming to the point where it's overbearing? Uh, it can be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it thankfully does a really good job at uh, kind of uh, drip feeding you. I'm trying to think of a hospital term, but anyway, it, in small doses. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there we go. I've been dripping you. Just uh, the saline solution. How saline, many puns can I fit in this uh, review? It, it, in small doses, uh, it, it introduces you to all these uh, these so complex the, logistical The learning things. curve is, is gradual enough yeah. that it's not alienating. Yeah, so right. it's basically you start off, hey, here's a reception area. You, you put it where you want it. You hire a couple of monkeys to run the place, and then you put a GP's office in, put a doctor in there and a pharmacy, and then you've got kind of a, a circuit going on uh, where people are paying money, and then you're getting more money to, to put in more facilities, and you can treat a greater range of illnesses and so forth. And uh, once you've kind of uh, succeeded in, in all the objectives that that particular hospital has set for you, you can move on to the next one, and it sort of introduces uh, more elements, more complex things so like your, training your staff. your hospital and, jumping. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. But Ray, yeah. what I want to know, being as morbid as I am, is mm. what happens when it all goes wrong? What happens when it all goes wrong? Just well, people die. Uh, yeah, basically people, are, they they walk out of the doctor's office and they're either sad that they're going to die or they, they, they're waiting literally on a bench in the waiting area and they just die. This game sounds horrible. Uh, and, you know, sometimes there's a big backlog, like um, you just don't have the resources, you're running out of money. And you'll just have a bunch of people that are on death row, I suppose. Oh, no. And, um, and then you just, you got to hit that escape key and reload that last save. Because <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it like a roguelike? Like, how does it? Uh, no, it's very forgiving. Uh, you can, you can restart any level and okay. you can, yeah, it's pretty easy once you've, once you've got a, a few bucks to just move on to the next hospital and, and ruin that or, that's nice. or, or, you know, make that awesome if, if you're able to. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, look, but overall, I mean, it's really a, a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's sort of zen-like, you know. Okay, like cool. um, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, you kind of get in, into the motions, and you kind of like you. Once you've got the whole like placing everything down and and knowing what exactly each room needs, like which staff they need, and and things like that, it's it's really cool to just sort of let the game wash over you and kind of make those big macro decisions, like uh, like how much am I going to dedicate to this particular illness, like what am I going to specialize in, and and dealing with like sudden epidemics and things like that. Does the game wash over you with its soundtrack, or is it kind of just like the ambience of a of a hospital, like the beeps? Uh, it's it's very shadow. much yeah. It's, the music is um, it plays a, a very large role in the Zen like quality yeah. because it's, it's always going. It's it's kind of uh, there's there is a like like I said before a real radio station that kind of goes through different uh, genres and there's like there's swing and big band and then there'll be like a ska reggae <laughs> and you're just like thing. looking at your clinic and people are sitting on the yeah. bench dying and you're and like oh, it's, it's, re- <laughs> yeah, it's really like <laughs> it's a pleasant. contrast it's very pleasant music there's a big contrast and and like when things are going wrong you know the music is just happy and enjoyable and so it, it's it's sometimes funny in that way cool um so it is upbeat enough not too depressing um it, it's there's plenty of micromanagement two point hot Hospital, mm-hmm. Two Point Hospital. Uh, it is out now on Windows, Mac, and Linux. You're playing it on Steam. That's right. And it ran fine. There weren't any like weird technical issues. It's good. Oh, uh, there are some issues. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like there's a few things where I couldn't progress and I had to reload and and people getting stuck in weird places and 
objects. But there's being... obviously a lot going yeah, on anyway. Yeah, there is, there is. But uh, from what I've seen, uh, the team are actively working on it, cool. and they've got a pretty decent community and listening to feedback. So um, it might have been buggy at the start. You might have read a few things about it being buggy, but it, it's, it's being patched. Yeah, I so. did, I'll just say quickly, I'd love if they worked some of those bugs into the actual gameplay, where it's like, <laughs> Doctor, I've become stuck inside some sort of object in the game world. Very Please weird. help. Uh, it is also <laughs> yeah. a new release. So it was released on 30th of August, so I imagine a lot of those patches are continuing to come mm-hmm. thick and fast. Um, and it is, you know, published by Sega, so hopefully yeah. Two Point Studios can continue. Just the medicine for you. That's that's just what yeah. you need. Just um, the doctor order. Yeah. Just not that. God, I would have I would have liked some of that medicine I in Japan. Prescribe. Not loaded in ca- with caffeine. We got very sick in Japan and then took uh, painkillers, which we didn't know had caffeine in them before bed, or at least I did. And I, can I couldn't s- sleep. I can sleep with caffeine, but Adrian oh. can't sleep at all. So he was awake from like midnight till six a.m. playing Mega Man. Yes, hot tip: read what's on your medication, even if it's in another language. Google Translate. Yeah. Google Translate is phenomenal. Every time. That is the end of the show for this week. Unfortunately, it's okay. We'll be back next week. See you soon. See ya. Bye.